0: hello welcome to eagle tales a podcast from the central high school foundation keeping you connected to the nest through storytelling and original interviews i'm your host josh Busey. before we get started though a little bit about the foundation we were established in 1996 to support present and future central students and today we are even more committed to preserving the values of a Central High School education. The foundation supports the school through many activities like building relationships with alumni, fundraising, student scholarships, teacher classroom grants, and a lot more. We are proud of the accomplishments that our students, staff, and 35,000 alumni achieve every day. Your patronage not only supports Central, but also strengthens Eagle Nation. Visit our website to learn more at chsfomaha.org. It is my honor to introduce our guest for episode 15 of Eagle Tales. Class of 1992 alumna Rachel Tomlinson Mindrup is our guest today. Rachel received her Master of Fine Arts from the Art Institution of Boston at Leslie University and also studied at the Art Academy of Los Angeles. Her life changed when her son was diagnosed with neurofibromatosis, or NF. Since the rare disease was little known and received little research funding, she began painting portraits for people who donated to NF charities. Her many faces of NF collection received acclaim and has been shown internationally. In 2020, she was appointed as the Richard L. Deming Endowed Chair in Medical Humanities in Creighton University's School of Medicine, bringing together art and medicine. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: As you know, I like to start every episode of Eagle Tales by giving a guest the opportunity to introduce herself to our listeners. So, Rachel, tell us a little bit more about yourself and where you grew up in Omaha.
1: Well, I grew up in the Dundee neighborhood, so I went to Dundee Elementary. In third grade, I actually went to Howard Kennedy then went back to Dundee and then did junior high in Lewis and Clark. Um, I know that's called middle school now, so I, <laughs> so I, I will call that middle school, I guess. And it was a little different back then. We did junior high from like seventh through ninth mm. and then um did tenth through twelfth at central. I know that's different than how they do it
0: now, but back in the day. So not as many kids at Central than when you were there if it was only yeah, grades well, ten through twelve.
1: Yeah, when I came in as a as a in tenth grade, they had actually already had a freshman class. So it was all full. I think I was the first class that or our first graduating class where Central actually had a f- had students for all four years. So Wow,
0: okay. When you were at Central, you were involved with Latin Club and Junior Cat <laughs> Classical League. What do you remember about your time as a Central Eagle?
1: Um, <laughs> so, yeah, if bring up Latin Club, that's definitely a unique thing to Central that I didn't really at the time realize was so unique to Central, but uh, I loved Latin and yes, Latin Club. If you're a high school kid who loves to draw and you can uh, wear a toga and <laughs> <laughs> and wander around drawing people, yeah, Miss Ryan, our Latin teacher, would have me. They'd have like a foreign language festival or something in the evening, and she would actually have me, because yes, I had a toga, because of <laughs> course, did, don't all kids, but she'd have me put on this toga and then be the quote-unquote Roman, instead of roaming, Roman. Ah. Um, yeah, it's just that corny. But I loved it, so I would go around and draw and sketch, and we'd put on, you know, like The Judgment of Paris or, so, you know, some sort of play or whatever. But yeah, I, I loved it. Latin Club. I really haven't thought about that in thirty <laughs> for like 30 years, but... No, it was great. I loved it. As far as some other stuff, at least pertaining to Central, I had the benefit of having um, both my sister and brother went. So I'm the youngest. So I kind of, for me, it's like I was excited to, I was excited to get to go there because I already kind of knew what was coming. I did more than just Latin Club too, by the way, for the the record. But
0: sounds like you also were involved with some of the cartoon sketches for the student newspaper yeah. at the time.
1: Oh yeah. I um I still remember being asked to do that. And it was like for me, I just thought it was like such a big honor. It's like, oh, I get to have my cartoon in the register. Or at least that's what it was called then. Yeah. It was yep. the the still Register. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. I, I, I kind of like I don't want to say stressed over it, but I wanted to make sure these cartoons were like, you know, um, in my mind anyway, amazing. The other thing is I I had a tendency to join clubs <laughs> just so I could design their t shirts oh fun Um, yeah yeah so um so i remember we were in green eagles my my friends and i we joined green eagles it was kind of an environmental awareness kind of organization but i just remember like first first meeting was usually me going like so is there a t-shirt will there be a t-shirt design you know
0: so well i'd imagine that made you somewhat popular everybody (laughs) wanted you to design their club's t shirts.
1: i think so yeah i'm sure the teachers were probably kind of pleased they're probably like yes please yes please can you go do that yeah, other like other stuff. I was in band um, the first year, and then I, it's kind of funny because I did band, and then I kind of I really did kind of want to focus more on my visual art and some of that stuff. So, um, so I kind of I kind of switched, but I loved high school. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I did all the things, um, that I had aptitude for. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's let's talk about your time when you were studying art at Central. What classes do you remember? What teachers do you oh, remember? Oh, yeah,
1: of course I remember. I had Mr. Eck. So because of Back then, anyway, I didn't get to take art classes as soon as everybody else. You know, I was almost kind of like a year behind because in ninth grade when I was still at Lewis and Clark, back then I had to pick like, because things met at the same time, I picked being in band rather than taking an art class. I'm sure things are obviously different now. But so when I got to Central, I had to take Art 1-2, where all some of my other friends might have been in Art 3-4. But um, so I had Mr. Eck for Art 1-2, and he was awesome. I loved Mr. Eck. You know, he was he was the first teacher who actually had me draw from life, which is really hard. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, up until that point, I was usually the the kid who could like look at something like, you know, here's a picture and I can copy your picture. And then my friends would ooh and awe ah that I didn't trace it, <laughs> <laughs> like t- taking you into the art world here. So, you know, so, yeah. you know um, but when somebody actually says draw from life, um, I still remember Mr. Eck, you know, asked a student from study hall to come in and, you know, sit so we could draw her. And that drawing was terrible. So, I mean, I did that drawing and I was like, oh my gosh. It was like the first time in my life where I'm like, mm. I almost felt like, am I not very good? <laughs> I still have that drawing, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, because um, it was like, oh my gosh, it was so hard. I had never been, nobody had ever asked me to do that. And Mr. Eck was just a lot of fun. So that, that helps too. So fun personality. Later after that, you know, I had Mr. Andrews my junior year. And Mr. Andrews then kind of helped get me into, you know, they had Scholastic Art Awards. And, I, sure. and, they, and they still do. But um, what I loved at Central was it, you know, they made this kind of a big deal. Like you were going to at least work toward trying to apply for Scholastic. So it's like we all knew this was a big deal to try and do that. So even my junior I remember getting into Scholastics and winning an award. And I was pleased because I had gotten in with a ballpoint pen drawing I had done of a different student mm. that i had drawn from life, um, <laughs> from, you know, a kid who was, um, just coming in off of their study hall, but in Mr. Andrew's class. So I felt proud of myself for one year later being able to actually do a drawing that is maybe worth looking at, (laughs) you know, like compared to the year before. And then of course, um, my senior year had Miss Quinn and Miss Quinn, I don't even know if she knows this, but it was so transformative. And if she were here, she'd probably just, you know, sort of demure and and just say, oh no, no. But um, she basically did printmaking I mean, this is crazy in a high school setting, but she did printmaking and she did intaglio processes.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So
1: we did copper plate acid etching in high school. That, I mean. That's high, college level stuff. It is college level stuff. And and most of them, if you even find printmaking in a high school setting, you, you might find some teachers who might be willing to do a linoleum cut or some sort of relief thing. I you did know, one of those. In you high did school. one of those. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm not, now before everyone, like, there, I'm not <laughs> downplaying linoleum cuts, like you know, because you still have to worry about kids cutting their finger or something. So like, like I get it, but I have never heard of anybody taking on the task of doing, you know, basically etching and acid with high school kids. No way. So, I mean, and keep in mind when I'm, you know, when I was in high school, I, I don't want to say I took things for granted, but I'm like, oh, I guess we're going to do this, you know? So I it, I didn't stop and think like, oh, I can't believe my teacher is going to actually have us put asphaltum onto a copper plate and then take a hairdryer we didn't even have hot plates or anything, oh a hairdryer. God. So we're trying to dry the asphaltum like on the back of this with a hairdryer. It is so, um, I don't want to say like cobbled together, like creative, like her creative problem solving to just even introduce this technique is just crazy. And I loved it. So I loved printmaking. And so I, I do printmaking now too, even though I'm, I paint oh, okay. of course, mm-hmm. but you know, the students at, at Creighton will find me over in the, you know, on, on fall break or Christmas break or summer or whatever. I'm over in the printmaking studio doing acid etching because that's what Ms. Quinn taught me way back in Mm -hmm. high school. And once, once you kind of learn these different techniques, it's like, oh my gosh. But you know, the flip side is we're in a university setting where I have like all the proper stuff, like, you know, like it's not so hard to do an etching when you've got a printmaking studio and you've, you've got all the tools a lot harder when you're a high school teacher with a bunch of high school kids, you know, like and hair dryers and stuff. And so even my senior year, all the faculty at Central would work to help us all get portfolios ready. So they helped me get my art portfolio ready. They, like I said, helped me submit. With Ms. Quinn's assistance and help, um, I won, you know, some of those gold keys from Scholastics. And then I ended up winning a national gold key my senior year um, with my printmaking. And even that was a lithograph that wow. Ms. Quinn did with me. I mean, how many schools do you know are doing lithography? Gee. So um, Yeah, and like I said, there's a part of me that's like, I didn't realize how amazing this, well, I did, I loved it, but I mean, I don't know if I realized how amazing what she and and the other faculty were doing there. I think I just assumed, like, this is what you do in high school, and then when you leave and you graduate and you look back and you're like, wait a minute, you know, other schools are not doing that. Well, yeah,
0: we hear all the time, still hear about students who graduate from Central, then they get to the college setting and realize that some of the classes they were taking in high school were harder. Oh, Yeah than what they were taking in college or college was kind of, yeah.
1: Oh, well, yes. And that, that's actually, I mean, beyond my art classes, I, I took all the AP classes. And so, you know, when you're in high school, they're telling you, oh, we're preparing you, we're preparing you. And it's like, okay, so I got to do all these AP classes so I can really be prepared. And then to go to college and realize that, yeah, my AP courses were more intellectually stimulating than several of the ones I took, you know, in undergrad, I think sort of speaks volumes for the central faculty and, and the curriculum development and, um, and just just the faculty in general and their personalities. And as far as um, I, beyond the art department, I mean, one of my favorite classes at Central is definitely AP American History, Dr. Blankey, or Dr. Sorry, I mean, I've been in the world of academia too long with Mr. Blankey. <laughs> but um, I absolutely loved that class. Back then, you know, we had a little um, intro to American history in eighth grade, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you read Johnny Tremaine or, you know, whatever, but, <laughs> you know, think, think back, you know. I, truthfully, as a kid, I always kind of found it a little boring, American history, until I took Mr. Blankey's class. Mm-hmm. And I went from a kid who was just like, you know, I'll take the class because my friends are doing it, and to loving American history. Mm-hmm. And I still do. And I still remember the stuff Mr. Blankey taught, and I think it's because rather than sort of this rote memorization of, you know, battles and elections and territorial expansion and whatever, he would give us a list of every single election and then what the slogans were. (laughs) And then what, like, kind of, I don't want to say what the, like, gossip was, (laughs) you know, but, like, you know, when you can start getting into, like, what was actually happening in 1844 and what was kind of the nitty gritty. I mean, it was fun for me. So it's like, I think he had a way of teaching it with putting, like, the... I don't want to say like the human element in there, mm. um, but made it, I don't want to say it was more of a story or a narrative. And so he'd give us these slogans. I still remember the, you know, if we poked him in 44, we'll pierce them in 52. That's, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm still remembering stuff from my AP, but like he would, re, you know, tell us these stories and stuff. And it's like, um, you latched onto it. Oh, I did. I, yeah. I loved it. But I think for me too, I also love narratives and stories. So that, that style of teaching really made, made history come alive. And when you think about it, if you're a visual artist anyway, I mean, you, you need these different subjects to actually draw and paint from anyway. So the more well-rounded are, the more you actually have something to draw from to actually make your your visual art. But yeah, I love that one. Like I said, of course, Latin. And I, I took AP English with Mr. Daly. I loved that. You're naming a lot of oh. central
0: legends. <laughs> yeah.
1: you. I, I have to think I'm not the only one who loved Mr. Blankley. Mr. Daly trying to think more of my senior year. Um, like I said, of course, all the art faculty I loved. I'll, of course, naturally, I'll go home and be like, why didn't I mention so-and-so?
0: Um, That's the way it goes. That's but, all right. Um,
1: yeah, and, and the fact that we had so many doctors, like my junior year, I had Dr. Shaver. I can say that I did not enjoy reading Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> even though I feel like there was a lot of stuff at Central that they did for our benefit and our growth. And But even to this day, I'm probably not going to recommend that book <laughs> unless you're an English major. But like I said, you'll I say that Neil, your next guest will tell you, you know, all the merits of of oh, Herman sure. Melville. Yeah. So, but I still enjoyed it. Like our our junior year was um, honors English, and you know that was a basically a uh, all um, American authors. You know, so we you know of course we're reading Willa Cather and um, Herman Melville and Walt Whitman and mm-hmm. and and the rest of the gang. So I I actually enjoyed I enjoyed the American then I enjoyed we'd move on and do more like English you know, lit or whatever, uh, in AP and our senior year. But yeah. And then there's like Dr. Wolf, my physics teacher mm. and Dr. Wolf was great too. Dr. Wolf wanted me to go into science. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, who knows if he, uh, you know what he'd think now that I'm at least pairing the two and in, in some sort yeah. of unique circular way of getting back to, to get, getting them. But I loved physics. Boy, I loved figuring out how things worked. So I, mm. I think that's probably Maybe that was an anomaly for him to have the art kid who loved physics. But yeah, I just enjoyed it.
0: We kind of touched on college just a little bit, but I am curious when you were studying in Boston and Los Angeles, what did you learn from those experiences that helped shape your artistic style even further?
1: Truthfully, so when I went out to LA, the goal back then was I I was going to be an animator. So Mm -hmm. yeah, my whole life dream ever since I was a kid was to be a Disney animator um, so even when I was at central, that's why I was sketching all the time. It's like, oh, I'm going to be an animator. I'm going to be an animator. And so, you know, I went through college first and, and did my undergrad and cause I kind of wanted to at least have that in my back pocket, you know, before you just up and leave and, and go to LA with no idea of what you're doing. Um, <laughs> I wanted to have some idea maybe. Um, but, and I, I was already married. So Jeff and I were already married when I went to LA and I lived with my aunt since my husband was paying our you know mortgage here at home so I went out there um, and I went out to LA to become an animator and learn animation. And I did, and I did Mm. that. And while I was doing that, I kind of learned I'm not very good at that. (laughs) Like um, I I'm sorry, this is, this isn't the most inspiring talk here, but um, you know, you're waiting for this, like, and then I changed the world with my amazing animation. It's like, no, I didn't. I was really just so mediocre. And (laughs) And, uh, but I worked hard. So I, I can say if there's one thing I'm proud about, at least about myself, is I do have a really good work ethic. I might not be the best at, at all this stuff, but while I was there, one of the guys um, came up and he was in the painting department and he was like, he could just tell I, I wasn't feeling it with the animation. And so he pretty much told me, he goes, I'm going to get you out of that department. And I was like, oh, I can't, you know, this is my life's dream. I, I'm like trying to convince myself. So because of my mentor at Disney, he's like, I don't think so. So he kind of yanked me out of that department and said, I'm going to teach you how to paint. Mm. <laughs> so so when you, you go from trying to be an animator to like doing background painting for animation. Mm. So I learned how to paint because I was learning how to just paint backgrounds for animated films. So that's actually where I learned how to paint. And then I learned, I realized I I love painting. I like this more than.
0: So up until you know. that point, you'd mostly done sketches.
1: Well, I had spent so long. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy everything. So, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I don't know if there's anything in my life I've done that I, you know what I mean? Like I, you know, that life is life. I like the animation was one where it's like, oh my gosh, because as I was just like doing rough in betweening, which is a fancy way of telling people that I was drawing the the drawings that were in between all the main sequence drawings. It's, you know, when you watch those films, like, oh, the making of the lion king or something you just watch these sketches and they come to life right and it's like that's not how it that's not how they do it so i mean your main animators might do those key key movements but then you've got somebody who's drawing all the stuff in between right so imagine me doing that and then telling myself oh i love it and it's like i don't love this mm. you know when you can spend three hours and you've worked on 1 24th of a frame and there are people though who are amazing at it and they're they're awesome but yeah, so I, I kind of lucked out that I got switched over into the painting area and then you know, was taught how to paint. Um, and then like I said, I had a great mentor and he would take me out and, and then that turned into figure painting and then that turned into... So I mean, I, I basically had somebody kind of take me under their wing and, and teach me everything he knew and, and really kind of inspired me that way to, to kind of do that painting route. So then when I got back later on, many years later on, then I went back to grad school. So there was a big gap of time difference between la and okay. boston when i was in la we didn't have any kids when it, by the time i went to boston we but we had uh, henry and fred already and so to to go to boston and then that's where i kind of you know kind of cultivated and had help and guidance to kind of shape my many faces of nf project was like during grad school so
0: yeah, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about what neurofibromatosis is if you don't mind
1: oh yeah sure Um, Yeah. Prior to my son's diagnosis, I had never heard of it. I'm not even sure I could have pronounced it. (laughs) So that's kudos to you for saying it correctly. That's a lot of syllables. Yeah. Yeah. You can see that's why people just call it NF. Absolutely. Um, But NF is a genetic disorder. It causes tumors to grow anywhere in or on your body. It's progressive. It's unpredictable. There's no cure. And it's spontaneous. And in regards to my son, it has it because of a spontaneous gene mutation not because it was inherited. So if somebody has NF, it, either it, they they got it from the spontaneous gene mutation or one of their parents has it. So you can, 50% of people have it spontaneous, 50% have it because their mom or dad passed it on. But again, you know, I hadn't heard of this. And there's a part of me that's like, kind of don't get it. It's like I bring my baby in for a wellness exam. I don't, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure that it was a roller coaster of emotions. What was that like kind of... Oh, it's finding out and then trying to deal and cope with it. And
1: well, I think with any diagnosis, anytime you're sort of blindsided by, by something, you know, and maybe in some regards, that's what health and diagnosis and medicine's all about. But, you know, we, we don't really prepare like, you know, we all live our lives and everything's great. Nobody really prepares for a bunch of what if scenarios, but yeah, Henry was only four months old. And then, and the geneticist, um, you know, we, we'd been referred, but the geneticist, you know, basically just cite by sight only was like, oh, you know, he came into the examination room and, you know, Henry's in it's, you know, just in his diapers and he would, you know, four months old, he wasn't even able to sit up yet. So I still had to like hold up his back and whatever. But the geneticist said, oh yeah, he goes, your son has neurofibromatosis type one. I'll let the uh, genetic grievance counselor come in and help you cope with the diagnosis, which <laughs> I mean, hindsight's always this, but I'm like, I would never want the title of genetic grievance yeah. counselor. So I'm kind of hoping they've done away with those titles. Like, but anyway, back then, You know, so this woman came in like kind of crying and gave me some brochures. Like she was the one crying, Mm. not me. I'm still trying to figure out what we're talking about. So, I mean, that was really tough. Then the geneticist came back in later once he figured I had sort of gotten the, you know, diagnosis and had figured it out. And he was nice enough, but I mean, he came in and just said, well, just, he goes, this was back before we had, um, you know, iPhones and all that. Mm -hmm. So you, you had to actually go get your computer fired up, you know, if you wanted to look up something. So he said whatever you do he said don't go home and google it. So <laughs> I mean come on. So of course um
0: naturally a, Naturally,
1: I mean just as anybody would. Of course I I mean I couldn't get home fast enough to get the computer up. But um of course I know why he said that. If if you google neurofibromatosis, you don't want to you don't want to look at that. I mean you, you, nobody wants to look at that. And of course you're just going to see all these worst-case scenarios of people with mm-hmm. completely disfiguring plexiform tumors. Um, and just covered with the cutaneous ones, you know, I mean, just basically you're gonna you see all that and and NF doesn't really work that way, so this is a really lame analogy, but it's kind of like a buffet with all these kind of things that could go wrong, but you're not going to get them all right. You mm-hmm. might have a this, that, and maybe some of that over there, but you're not gonna you're not gonna have everything. And like I said, and beyond tumors, NF can be learning challenges, scoliosis, tibia dysplasia, you know, I mean, there's just all these things that can blindness deafness so you know there's just these different things different manifestations but you're not you're not going to get every single thing it's it's unpredictable but it's varied so the truth is i mean which is i'm kind of segueing a little bit into my painting project but the truth is you don't know how nf is going to affect you they can't tell you how nf is going to affect you they're just going to tell you you have this and so every day is going to be a little different than the day before um and my son's journey has definitely been that way I mean, he's doing great. He's 20 years old. He's, he's a sophomore at Creighton. He's yeah, he's, he's doing great, but he's had definitely had some of his challenges, you know, just some cognitive challenges that the the rest of us don't have. He has fine motor skill issues, gross motor skill issues. And then he had brain surgery a couple of years ago. He has, he has five brain tumors and, and we'll go again this week for more uh, MRIs. And so, I mean, he's just had a different kind of life than, Mm -hmm. than the rest of us. You know, and when he was little, like in, even when in, ele- in elementary school, he just assumed all the kids went in for brain MRIs, mm. you know, and it's like, well, not really. But he also does really well with all that. But but again, you kind of have to be on it because, it, like I said, it can change and, and that kind of stuff. But as far as the painting project, the reason I started doing that was, I don't know, everybody copes differently. But initially when, you know, my husband and I were told about NF and Henry has this and some of the cognitive things and even, I mean, fine motor skill. I mean, it's really hard for him to like use scissors. You know, mm. if you think of, or tie your shoes, I mean, things that I don't want to say the rest of us kind of take for granted, but, but we you know, do, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I I do, um, but it just takes him a little longer and he has to kind of really think about how to make these movements and stuff. But when he was in kindergarten, you know, I, I went in for parent teacher conferences and I hadn't told the school, I didn't tell anybody that he had NF because I thought, you know, there was a part of me that was like, I didn't sign up for this. So I, we're just going to raise him, you know, like, let's just kind of forget about NF or whatever, which sounds really uh I I don't know on one hand that sounds like oh it's you know when people say like I have NF and it doesn't have me and it's like Mm -hmm. that sounds really emboldening and stuff except for that part where you still have NF (laughs) so it still presents you know so um I think I was kind of in that mindset until until kindergarten and his um I thought it was interesting that beyond the parent-teacher conference um his teacher had us come back for a parent-teacher principal conference (laughs) it's like you know it's like is that normal, you know, he's my first. I'm like, do we, do we do parent teacher conferences and just happen to bring the principal in? But it was during that. And then they were just sort of, you know, they're just sort of being cagey. They're like, Oh, is there anything you'd like to, mm. you know, share? And I'm like, no. And they're like, anything that might help us, you know, with Henry? And I'm like, no. And then, and then I did say, I'm like, I feel like you guys do too many crafts. Mm. So I remember complaining because it's too many fine motor skill stuff. And then finally I said, well, I said, he does have a genetic disorder. And then they were like, <laughs> then they're like, Finally. So I think they were waiting for me to admit that something is going on here. But really, I remember the principal telling me, you know, we can't help your son if you don't let us help your son. So now we can get the services, we can get some of the stuff that he needs. But at the time I was so worried about, you know, I didn't want people feeling sorry for him or, you know what I mean? like Or his
0: classmates. Yeah. Or his classmates. I, didn't, yeah.
1: I just didn't want him to be different and have everybody mm-hmm. be like, oh, you know, poor Henry or something. I just kind of wanted to, I don't know. You know, try I try to make it normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically. But um so anyway, but then it was like I don't wanna say like it kind of switched when I'm like, well, you know, how how can you really expect teachers to help if nobody has heard of neurofibromatosis? I mean, really. I mean, back then too, I'd say that and people are like, I don't know what that is. They've never seen it. They haven't heard of it. So it's like, well, how do you expect a teacher to help them if they don't know what you're talking about? So um in the beginning I I reached out to a couple different NF charities just to see like, you know, what could I do? And <laughs> Um, and they're great. I, I love the the NF charities that are out there, but what most people do evidently is um, organize walks or <laughs> they run marathons. You know, I'm not sure I should be organizing anything <laughs> like, like, you know, again, we all have our skill sets. I don't, I don't think you want me organizing stuff. So, <laughs> so there's that. It's like, no. And then I'm definitely not athletic. So if you want to, you know, I was on no central high athletic teams. Like I, I just don't have that. So it's like, I am not running a marathon. A marathon all, doesn't excite no. you. All in the name of NF awareness. It's like not happening. So at the time I thought, I don't I don't do anything, but all these other people do, right? And so when you think about social media and all this stuff, I just ended up initially painting a portrait of a guy who has NF, who has a real severe plexiform tumor that just completely disfigures his face. But he would go around town. Um, he lives in Houston. He'd go around town wearing a shirt that said, just ask, because- <laughs> um, you know, he knows that you're Good wondering humor about it. Yeah. And then he has these little cards like business cards that explain what neurofibromatosis is in his back pocket. So if you ask, like he'll, he'll hand you the business card and you can learn why his face looks like that. So I thought, well, his name's Reggie. And I thought, you know what? I don't do anything, but, but Reggie does. Mm-hmm. And really when he does that, besides helping himself, he's obviously helping Henry and, you know, my family. So I just did a portrait as a thank you. And he made it his profile picture on mm. Facebook, um, which I know that doesn't sound like amazing or interesting but but then reggie was the one he said you know he goes i'm not the only one raising awareness you know i've got some friends that have nf and so i did a couple more and then a mom reached out and said you know i i saw these profile pictures and i was curious you know would you ever paint someone whose kid has nf like if the parents raise a lot of awareness you know so she and her husband are raised, you know raising awareness uh would you paint her daughter before she loses her hair to chemo her daughter was like maybe six and so i said yeah i can you know, I can do that. And then I always think this is the funny part. It's like, you should just know where this is going. So once you get a mom involved in anything, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the power of like moms, you know, organized moms, you know, look out, man. Yeah, moms are, moms, we're always on a mission and dads, you know, but like, you know, it's just one of those things. So um, after I painted um, that kid's portrait, it's like then then all of a sudden my Facebook, you know, kind of just exploded. Um, and I got all these requests. mm mm-hmm. So much so that it's like, I can't actually paint. I'm sure you'd like to. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, there's not enough time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and well, an NF affects one in 3000. So even though it's classified as a rare disease, it's actually really common, mm-hmm. like it, it, comparative to other diseases. So, I mean, you know, it's more common than Huntington's and MS and cystic fibrosis, like all together. Like, but, and, you know, these are things that we've all heard of. So it's kind of crazy that this would be more common and nobody really has heard of it. But yeah, so I started putting a qualifier. So so then it turned into like, if, if you'd like a portrait of your loved one who has NF or you have NF, you know, you have to donate to an NF charity. You know, there's there's a couple really good NF charities that kind of do different things, but you pick whichever one you like, you send me the receipt, I'll paint the portrait, we all win. So that's what I was doing for years. And it was kind of nice because it's kind of this behind the scenes fundraising effort, which mm-hmm. for me, I preferred. I don't want to go around asking everybody for 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just not that person. So I guess I, I guess anyone listening knows to not ne- never look, never ask me to take over your fundraising c- platforms because I'm going to be like, I, I don't want to ask anybody. I don't want to. But at the same time, it was kind of nice because it's like, well, I'm fundraising, you know, in this sort of um, indirect method, raising funds for the different NF charities. So it's kind of nice. And then, and then and those were just watercolors. Mm-hmm. I mean, so they're, you know, I mean, I don't know. They take me like maybe six hours or something. Okay. That, you know, that not super long, you know, but. Then I decided, to, when I went to grad school, I was I was starting this, and I worked with the faculty there, and kind of switched over to doing oil paintings, just because, as as we all know, oil paintings are what we think of when we think of somebody's legacy, cemented, mm-hmm. you know, you go into a building, it's like, well, the donor is probably going to have their portrait painted in oil, right, mm-hmm. instead of just a photograph, so I don't mean just a photograph, photographs are awesome, I just mean that we don't have as much history, so photography is just still a relatively new Mm-hmm. You know, medium. I mean, it's only been around since like 1860s ish. So, um, as opposed to oil painting or bronze, you know, I mean, things that we have this sort of like, I guess, timeless. Like we we know that they'll last. So, um, so then I thought it is kind of cool. It's like I get I get to mm-hmm. decide whose legacy is cemented in oil paint. You know, for years to come. So,
0: talk a little bit about how you decide things such as the pose that somebody's in for that that painting that you're going to be doing, or like, because I've seen some of your work and. It feels very intentional that you've made some decisions on how you want the subject to appear when you're painting them. How do you go through that process?
1: Um, It's very collaborative. So the truth is, together. So we decide together. So if I'm going to be painting your portrait, I would actually want to know, like, how do you, you Mm. know, want to be depicted? Do you want to? And it's interesting to me what people. It can be at work. Like, do you are do you take pride in what you do as a job? Do you want to be depicted that way? Is it a hobby, like you, um, or is it just a fun? thing. Like I I actually did a painting of a gal throwing a water balloon, um, which (laughs) that's fun. Yeah. And, you know, and I thought seriously, Um, but it's because she loves her neighborhood um, picnic every year. So every year they have a neighborhood picnic where they throw water balloons and stuff. But for her, that's one of the like best times of the year. So she wanted her painting to kind of be in that kind of happy space as opposed to like, what do you do for a job or what it's always up to the person. And then I'll do a sketch. So I, I never do this thing where I just unveil a Portrait and hope that you like it and surprise. Oh my gosh, no way! um I always see that stuff too, On you know, <laughs> and you know, and they always see these unveilings and they like take the curtain off and it's like, oh come on! And then these people, it's like, well, do you have to just pretend to like that painting? <laughs> you know, like I don't take those sort of gambles, so I feel like they're very collaborative. I don't, mm. I don't sign the paintings either. So I, okay, yeah, so I don't, I don't put my signature on them only because you might say that that's just kind of corny, but portraiture for me is always a three way conversation. So I'm always painting the subject for the public's consumption. So it's a triangle, right? Um, I'm painting you and the way I see you and, and that kind of stuff, but really it's for their consumption. So it's a three-way kind of thing going on. But if I slap my signature on there, then the public's gonna sit there and always be reminded that your portrait was mitigated through somebody. Mm-hmm. So I like to take that off. And so in some regards, I feel like when I do this, instead of people being reminded that it's a painting, hopefully they'll see the painting and be like, oh, it's Josh. Rather than oh look at this pigment slathered together to represent Josh, it's you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to do that. But as far as like the pose, what they're doing, um, they know. And like I said, I do sketches first, and you know they'll sort of sign off on it if they like it. And then like I said, and we do work together. Like not that I have final say, but like I kind of I kind of have final say because sometimes I'm like I'm you know I mean sometimes I'm like I feel like that's kind of corny.
0: <laughs> like well I'm sure know, they I mean, in some ways defer to you for yeah. some of the creative. Yeah. Well, decisions. I mean, and
1: some of it's just like their passions. Like, so like we all have our favorite, I don't say teams or, you know, whatever, but like, you know, I, I had a gentleman that wanted the logo of his favorite team, like pretty much on every visible space on the painting. And I had to kind of let him know, like, but we, we want to learn about you, not, <laughs> not necessarily this amazing basketball team. <laughs> so like, you know, so I very discreetly put the logo on his shirt and like nowhere else in the painting, but. And, and same with, sometimes they want to be, even at the logo of the NF charity, they want to, they're very appreciative, but it's like, well, we don't need the charity's logo, like all over, you know, ever. Um, if anything, that's usually the only thing that I sometimes, you know, will have to sort of edit out. But the other thing, it's really hard to get people to take the photo. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. really hard project because it's like, I'm now telling you to sort of get photos, have your loved one, friend, somebody take photos of you, but be you comfortable, with be that. comfortable, but also don't look at the camera. So Unlike photography, where, of course, we smile at the camera and it looks great. Um, that's kind of creepy in oil paint. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, think back to those old like Scooby-Doo cartoons where the eyeballs, hit, you know, you. And they're looking at you. So I'm like, we kind of we kind of don't want to creep people out. So I always say we want to give them permission to gaze. I mean, if you have a tumor on your face. People in real life might not know if are they supposed to look at you, do they look away? Do, people don't know how to act. Absolutely. So in a painting, I certainly don't want them to be turned off in a painting either. I want them to come up, look at your painting, read your story, and I can do that if you're not staring at them. You know what I mean? So I, I always kind of avert the gaze a little bit. So I always say my paintings give permission to gaze because of course it's just a painting. Then you can go you can look at the painting. You can stare at it. You can wonder about the tumors. You can read their story that they've written and learn more about it. So hopefully when you see somebody with NF, you know, walking on the street or whatever, it's not like the first time you've seen this. So, you know, I mean, that's my hope. It's like, you'll be like, oh, I've seen somebody with that before, you know, so I can just look at the person normally like I would, you know, rather than being shocked that they have a tumor or something. Any idea how many you've created so far? Why? Yes, I've done, um, I believe I've done 108 oil paintings. Um, I, I, it's amazing. They add up after, you know, I don't know, 13, 15 years or however long I've been doing it. But yeah. And I usually have about three or four going all at once. Cause you know, it's like, do, yeah, well, it's, it sounds funny. Well, but you're like, very in
0: demand, So um, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: They, and they take, they take a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. at least the way I, I paint. So I sort of have an indirect method of painting. And so I glaze and layer and some of mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, so it just, it just takes me longer. I mean, another artist could probably do it much quicker, but they take me a while. So, um, so yeah, I always have several going at once um, because no pun intended, but it's not really fun to just watch paint dry. So (laughs) like if I have one over there that just needs to dry, I'll, I'll go work on a different one. What have you learned about
0: yourself from all of this?
1: Well, just how life is so um, I don't say unexpected, you know, for me, you know, as much as I thought I was a planner, you know, I I think even back in high school, I had Mm. in high school, I had my whole life figured out. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was going to go be a Disney animator. There wasn't really much to discuss. I mean, that's, you know, life. And and that could just be the difference between being an 18-year-old kid and being an adult, you know. But And then always, um, at least in the medical realm, like with my son, I mean, the my son has taught me so much about life. Things that can seem very, very bad, you know, aren't necessarily the end of the world. And I'm not sure, like I said, it, it's it's interesting to see, I mean, he's had this his whole life. He's, Mm -hmm. he's used to going to doctor appointments about a year, year and a half ago. They found another new brain tumor. I mean, you know, the fact that he's up to five brain tumors, you know, I mean, I even joked with him to stop overachieving on the brain tumors. (laughs) Like I said, I think we're good. You know, we could, we could probably cool it, you know, but he takes everything in stride. And uh, I mean, I I feel like he, he lives very much in the present and, and you, you kind of have to. So I think Mm -hmm. sometimes for me, I get so caught up like, Oh, what am I going to do five years from now? What am I going to do? You know, so I can be sometimes a little like that. And it's like, you know, um, I think I do a better job like living in the present and being and it, being grateful. Once you have something like a medical diagnosis, and I'm sure people, um, people listening who- A
0: lot of people can relate to yes, that. Yeah,
1: like I said, it doesn't have to be NF. It could be a cancer diagnosis. It could be anything. But once you get a diagnosis of something and suddenly your life is not like what it was and you so want it to just go back to what it was and it's not going to, and so this is your new normal. And so how do you live with that? And you can either I don't want to say sit around and 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 mole or groan and be upset or you are you adapt and you know and be appreciative of the things you do have. I, I do think like I said my my son's diagnosis and just him and the, his outlook and stuff has at least, you know, allowed me to pause and and reflect. So it is different though. Like I said as a senior at Central, I was going to go hmm. You know, be an animator and do amazing, you know, be an animator in the next Lion King or whatever. Um, if you would have told me I'd be painting portraits of people of neurofibromatosis, I don't, I I think I would have been like, who is that person? <laughs> um, <laughs> or what What is that and why am I painting that? So many questions. Um, yeah. yeah, so many questions. Um, but I do think that's what's, I, I think that's what's great though. Life's just always changing and, and fluid. You never know.
0: If you can share, are there any upcoming projects or things that you're excited about that you're going to be working on?
1: Um Yeah. So um, I, I mentioned to you earlier that uh I had a show opening at Rockhurst university um, of my NF portraits down there in Kansas city, in Kansas city. Yeah. And that was really amazing. It, it was great. Um And like I said, I, I always feel blessed and honored any institution, museum hospital, you know, that, that wants to exhibit the work. It's always nice. So in, since I work at Creighton, you know, Creighton has, of course, the Omaha campus that everyone's familiar with, but a lot of people don't know that we also have a campus in Phoenix. So another med school, both in mm-hmm. Omaha and Phoenix campus. So an exciting um, kind of thing that's cropping up really kind of due to that connection is um, I'm going to be having an exhibition at the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale in, I think, March. So that's coming up. So I'm painting people with NF who live in Arizona for that exhibition in kind of March, April. So I'm excited about
0: that. You told us before we, we came on air that oftentimes you will be in a city and you'll be painting people while you're there. So for mm-hmm. example, when you just mentioned you're going to be in Arizona and so you're going to be oh, right, painting right. some of the subjects that live there.
1: Well, I, I do that. I don't say to make it a little bit more meaningful. So um, like my my artwork right now is um in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I hope I said that correctly. Outside of Nashville. Outside of Nashville. And so those, the portraits that are on display, there are people um, with NF from the state of Tennessee. But the only reason that happened is because the works were at Net, were at Vanderbilt um, last year. So I had a big exhibition at Vanderbilt and it's, it's kind of cool that another institution and stuff would see that and be like, Hey, you know, can we bring that, you know, can we bring that here? And it's like, well, of Absolutely. course, um, being as one of the people is from Murfreesboro, you know, he was like, can I get this, you know, back home where I'm at? So it's like, well, of course. So, and then I added a few more people to it too. So it's not like, Hey are these all the exact same <laughs> paintings? So I, I do have that about me too. It's like, I gotta, I gotta, you know, add, add something just so people aren't like, oh, I've seen that before, but yeah. And then it's a, it's also a way for the NF community and those unaffected to kind of come together. So when I have these exhibitions, of course, all the, all the people painted tend to come with their loved ones and stuff, but it's time, you know, it's a nice time for the unaffected population to actually meet these people. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I kind of joke sometimes that all I'm really doing is making introductions. Uh, I just use oil paint. You know, I mean, that's really all I'm doing. I mean, because you you come to an exhibition, the real point of it is for you to actually meet the people. like in Kansas City, I had Antoine, one of the people I painted. I just had him come, and once he's there, it's like, well, now, Antoine, you can share your story with everybody. He's on a ventilator. he's got he's got all these things going on people. You know, people are used to maybe outward tumors, but they're certainly not used to tumors wrapping around and mm-hmm. compressing on your lungs. And, you know, I mean, all these like NF can affect anywhere, anywhere it wants. So, for him to, so during my artist talk there, I just had, I just shared the podium and had him kind of give his oh, that's cool. story. Yeah. And he's amazing. I mean, you know, he wasn't supposed to live to past eight years old and he's 38.
0: So, wow. Um, that's, wow. You know, yeah. many,
1: many surgeries later, but, um, yeah
0: so it's it's kind of um, amazing and empowering, and stories like that will um, stick with you, oh, yeah, and with the audience that were there,
1: well, and even that it, it it always reminds me to be grateful. I mean, when I paint all these portraits of people with nF, oh my goodness, I mean, some of the stuff they live with you know, this guy's gonna get his leg amputated because the tumors just keep growing, and then they you know then they'll kind of amputate that part, but then the tumors grow around the stump, so they have to kind of keep amputating, keep going up, keep going up, keep going up i mean you you see what other people live with, and it's like, you know maybe I should be a little more grateful. Like maybe I shouldn't complain <laughs> about, I mean, so it's a
0: matter of perspective.
1: Oh, it is. And i I think because I'm probably reminded daily of how blessed and lucky I am and how blessed and lucky Henry is. It sounds really bizarre for me to say, like, I'm so blessed that Henry just has five brain tumors, but you paint enough portraits of a people with all these other challenges. And it's like, you know, I mean, mm. think about it. My son is a sophomore in college. That's amazing. What a gift It is amazing. Yeah. You know, it's like, we're not having these hardships other people are having. So, but I I don't think that's unique to me. I I think anybody living with either a chronic illness or some sort of diagnosis. I mean, I I think there's just a level of gratitude that probably comes with it for most people.
0: Well, thanks for sharing and telling your personal story and all that. I really appreciate it. Um, Switching gears slightly. I always like to end with what was your favorite central memory?
1: Oh man. Uh, you can li-
0: you can name more than one if you have oh, more than one.
1: I'm trying to think of like just one. Um, I I do I do think winning the national gold key uh, with Miss Quinn is a, kind of a, a major highlight. Um, but I I if I'm going to be honest, it's it's my friends. Hmm. You know I mean I I'm sorry for the totally bland <laughs> answer. You know you're you're hoping for this like you know signature moment or whatever, in where I talk about the big C and then the light shone down on it or something. <laughs> but um. When I think of high school, I really do think of all my friends. I think of my lunch hour. Like I loved having, um, I loved that instead of a cafeteria, we all sat in the the courtyard eating lunch. And I think I was just again blessed. I had so many friends and so many different groups of friends, right? So I had my on, you know, the other kids that were in the honors classes with me. Then I had my friends who were in the art classes with me, and you know, all these different. Um, I don't say like friend groups that sort of, you know, even my friends in homeroom. I mean, you, you're just kind of thrown in with all these different people. But yeah, when I, when I think of high school, I just mostly think of my good friends and having fun, but as a whole, like high school was awesome. I loved mm-hmm. it. I loved it so much. Um, it was great. And I was supported. I mean, how, how do you not when you mm-hmm. have faculty that it's support you? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they always did no matter what, you know, I'd come up with ideas and, you know, when you have teachers who are like, you know, and who knows if they were like that, you know, they could have been thinking like, that's kind of a <laughs> dumb idea, Rachel, but. But when you have teachers that are like, okay, we can try and figure out how to make that work. And I had teachers that would give me materials. Mm. I mean, again, in the art world, that's huge. You can't draw or paint if you don't have anything to draw and paint on. Mm-hmm. So if you have teachers who are like, wait, I think I have some old scraps here, or, you know, try it on this or do. So, um, but yeah, for me, I think for me, it's my friends. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I have to put in a plug for the academic rigor. I love that too. But yeah, in the end, if I, when I think of central, I, I just think of having fun with my friends. Um, You know, we'd go to football games. We'd, We'd do all the stuff that you'd, I I don't want to say is probably pretty typical high school stuff, but, but, and even those dances and stuff, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, we did all that stuff. Um, and I, like I said, I loved it. Well, Rachel, thanks for coming on the show today to talk with us. We really appreciate it and best of luck on your future endeavors.
1: Yeah. Again, like I said, thanks for having me.
0: Once again, I want to extend a big thank you to today's guest, 1992 alumna Rachel tomlinson mindrup We hope you enjoyed episode 15 of Eagle Tales, and we would love to hear what you thought of this episode by connecting with us on our social media. You can find us on Facebook, X, or really Twitter, and Instagram by searching for the Central High School Foundation. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you can be notified of when new episodes as they are released. A complete library of previous episodes can also be found on our website at chsfomaha.org. And remember, near or far, you are always part of the Central High School family. Go Eagles! Go Eagles! 92,
1: 92, 90, 90, 90, 90 92.